Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, you're listening to episode 75 of Wellness and Wanderlust. Can you believe we've made it this far? It has been such an incredible journey and I'm so happy to have you join me along the way, whether you're brand new to the show or a longtime listener. No matter where you are in your wellness journey, this show is designed to provide helpful nuggets of wisdom on a variety of topics each and every week, so I hope you'll stick around. This week's episode is brought to you by Energy Bits. It is a new year, so if you haven't introduced algae into your wellness routine yet, it is definitely time to check it out. Algae is a nutrient-dense superfood and so easy to consume. Energy Bits offers 100% spirulina and chlorella tablets, which are naturally grown and non-GMO. I've talked about this on the show before, but I am a huge fan of their chlorella recovery bits tablets. Chlorella is a detoxifying algae that can help your body recover after a workout, improve digestion, and more. And then as a bonus, I have found these tablets to be helpful after a night out to avoid a hangover because I am much more of a lightweight in my 30s. If you're interested in trying them out for yourself, you can visit energybits.com and use my code wellness and wanderlust for 20% off. I will link them in the show notes as well. We had founder Catherine Arnston on episode 19 of this show. So if you want to learn more about the benefits of algae, be sure to check out that episode. Switching gears, I am so excited to introduce you to our guests this week. Zach and Jeremy are the hosts of the Fit Mess podcast, a podcast that helps listeners overcome struggles to achieve their mental and physical wellness goals through open and vulnerable conversations. In this episode, they each share their own wellness journeys and the small lifestyle changes they have made over time to create major transformation in their lives. We talk about the power of mindset, how to set realistic health goals, ways to become more present, and how we can inspire the younger generations to show up for themselves as well. I loved getting to chat with them, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, let's hear from Zach and Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy and Zach. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yes. I am so excited to have you both on. And before we really dive into the show, I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you get us started? Yeah, uh, my name is Jeremy. I've been uh, podcasting since about 2004. My my wellness journey didn't really start until about, I don't know, six or seven years later. Basically, I was uh, kind of your typical, you know, mid-30s new dad guy. I was pretty overweight. I drank a lot and uh, just wasn't really managing my life the way that I wanted to. And I had kind of the dumbest injury ever, like literally getting out of bed. I hurt my knee. And that sent me into the uh, physical therapist's office. And she was, you know, kind of more concerned about my knees in general and was like, hey, listen, you got to get on a bike because otherwise you're going to end up replacing both of these things. And it was really ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because I was I was afraid of it. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And uh, in a conversation with my brother, he actually said, dude, just decide that you're that weird guy that bikes to work every day. And so I was like, yeah. I, I can do that. I can I can wear that hat. And I started doing that. And I found in, in biking a lot of peace, actually, because it's such a practice of being present and being in the moment, because if you're not, you get hurt, you know, you crash, you get hit by a car or something. And the more I, I got into that, the more I wanted to find ways to apply that to my life in other ways. And so I actually ended up going into therapy and uh, I found a therapist who taught me all about meditation and and being present and being in the moment. And it just really sent me on this this broader path of, of just being able to take care of myself and, and stop worrying so much about the future and stop, you know, worrying about the past. And ultimately I ended up, did I did get in a bike crash, which uh, ended up putting me on some pain medication. And as I came off of that, I decided to stop taking the antidepressants I'd been on. I decided to stop drinking. Like it was just, it was so interesting how, how deciding to get on a bike opened up all these doors and, and made me so aware of the things in my life that I was doing wrong and how to change it. It wasn't really about adding things and about doing more. It was actually about stripping away a lot of the things that weren't working for me. And so I've just really been, been staying on that path ever since, just trying to find ways to, to simplify, stay present and really focus on what I need to really be healthy and, and happy and take care of myself. I think that's such an incredible story. And that's something that as, as I've gone through my own wellness journey as well, kind of realizing that it really is about stripping away and really figuring out what it is that's going to make you happy, that's going to maybe make your life a little healthier, a little bit better. 
And um, so I'm very excited to get into all of that today. Um, Zach, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience as well and tell us a little bit about your journey? Sure. So my name is Zach and I have, I've been on the wellness journey for, geez, it's been close to 20 years now. Um, I am 42 now and I am I'm in the best shape of my life ever. 20 years ago, my daily activities and where I was, I was close to 300 pounds. I was eating at McDonald's probably twice a day because I knew somebody who worked there. So I got free food, smoked cigarettes, drank beer, drank, I think I drank a two liter of Mountain Dew every day to the point where I had to have like reconstructive surgery on my teeth to, to fix them. Um, so just wildly unhealthy 20 years ago. And for some reason, I, I, I made a decision to change one small thing and then the next small thing and the next small thing and the next small thing, you know, and fast forward 20 years and here I am, I do yoga three, four times a week. I'm, you know, very much into mindfulness and exploring my inner peace. I'm a regular at the CrossFit gym at the yoga studio, eat 80, 20. I, I still eat garbage occasionally, but I keep that to a minimum. So it's, it's been a long, long journey that, you know, I can talk about some more of the details, but it was just a lot of small steps over the last 20 years to completely change my health and wellness. I love that. And I really do think that it's those small steps that make the biggest, most lasting impact. I think we feel so inclined. Sometimes we see the fitness magazines and all of that, and we want to do kind of all or nothing. And I can completely relate to the McDonald's every day. I think my superpower in college was that I could always find the closest McDonald's wherever we were. (laughs) (laughs) And I've certainly done the all or nothing throughout my life. And then finding those times where I really started to make those small changes was really when I started to see it become a habit. And I'd love for you each to talk a little bit about the small changes that you've made throughout your wellness journey, both mentally and physically, because I think we often neglect the mental when we when we talk about that. Yeah, I, I can I can jump in with some of the initial changes that I made because they were mental to a certain extent, but it was... Um, you know, I, I think I, me- I mentioned that I was smoking cigarettes at the time and I needed a reason. I needed a why to quit. I had tried to quit for so many, so many times. And it wasn't until like I, I got my first job and my boss looked at me and said, you know, if I had known you smoked during the interview process, I wouldn't have hired you. So that was my why. And it was a pretty powerful why to quit smoking. And I successfully quit smoking and that we say that's a small change, but that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And that really led to the next small change of, you know, walking more and then running. So for me, initially, it was physical goals. But later on, I realized that it was a mental shift of I needed to figure out that I was the guy who didn't smoke anymore. I was the guy who was a runner. I was the guy who was, you know, starting to take better care of, of myself. And it was that mindset shift of you are this person, you can be this person. And, you know, ultimately there was a moment where I needed to be okay with myself. I was struggling with who I was and who I wanted to be. And I just had to sit back and say, you're okay. You're fine. Everything's okay. And be accepting of that. And once I did that, I was able to move forward a little bit easier. Yeah. And, and I look back on, you know, the last decade of everything I've been doing. And if, if at that point someone said to me, here's the list of everything you're going to do in the next 10 years to, to make yourself happier and healthier. I never would have done any of it because it would have been wildly overwhelming to think of all of those things that most of which are now just habit. But, you know, going back to the beginning, it literally started with a bad knee and getting on a bike because I was so afraid of having, having my knees get so bad later in life that I was going to need to do something else. And just doing that opened more doors. I, I discovered on that bike that I wanted to bring that into my life. I wanted to bring that presence into my, into my life. And so that's when I found meditation. And in meditation, I then found breath work. And, you know, and, and sort of on this journey, I got to know Zach a little more. And we started having these really open and vulnerable conversations because we were kind of uh, in similar places. He, he seemed to be, you know, a few steps, a couple of years ahead of me on, on the path. But it was in talking to him that he introduced some, some diet changes that ended up working really well for me. And I dropped 70 pounds, you know, doing what he said. And, and then I started feeling better. So then I started going to the gym more. And it just, it was like this dominoes, right? Like, if, if you'd seen the long line of dominoes, you would have gone, man, I'm never going to knock them down. But if all I had to do was push that first one to know that they would all fall, it would have been a, a really easy thing to convince me that this is the path that I wanted to be on without even knowing it. 
I, I think both of your stories are so empowering and to really see how those small changes make, you know, again, such a huge impact on our lives, on our wellness, on our mental and physical. And I think focusing on how the mental plays into that, I really love what Zach said about needing to be okay with yourself and, rec- you know, kind of changing the way that we identify ourselves as well. For me, having autoimmune conditions, I have always thought of myself as a sick person And whether or not that's getting better, I've kind of had to shift that mindset a little bit to be more of, you know, I am a healthy person and I am working hard and I am doing all of these great things. I am a person that eats healthy, you know, and things like that, that really does. It has such a difference in how we treat our bodies and how we treat ourselves. Yeah, it really does. So I would love to know for both of you, you both had different health and wellness goals throughout your lives and quitting smoking, I know is something that a lot of people say is one of the hardest things that they've ever done. And, you know, losing weight is something that can be really difficult, not just losing it, but then maintaining that weight loss. So I'd love to know as far as setting realistic health goals, what tips do you have? What are some things that we can be doing? I think the most important thing is that no matter what your goal is, nothing is going to be accomplished without taking action. So you can, you can buy all the yoga mats and set up the space just right. And, you know, burn the candle in the corner and and do all the things. But until you actually start the activity, nothing's going to change. Like we, we build up these ideas in our head of how difficult and how challenging this thing is going to be. For myself, this year, I finally got myself back into going to the gym. For months, I complained to Zach on the show about, oh, I hate going to the gym. I went once the, you know, this year and it was awful and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not going to do that anymore. And I had an external motivation. I was interviewing somebody who is a fitness trainer. And I was like, well, I, I, I suppose I better do a couple of their, their workouts to at least know what I'm talking about. And, and I went and did it and I didn't hate it. I actually liked it. And then, you know, I sort of thought about it for a while and I was like, okay, I'm just going to pencil this into my calendar. And literally for a week, it was on my calendar and I didn't do it. But every day it was a reminder on my calendar that I do have the time to do this. It's there. I've carved it out. So now I just got to go do it. And so after a week of, of ignoring it and getting mad at myself for letting that opportunity go... I went and I've kept that up now for, I think today's three weeks consistently, just because I made the decision, right? Like I decided that this is, this is who I am now. This is the thing that I do every day. And I'm not even going because I have ideally, yes, I still have a little bit of weight that I'd like to lose, but it's not the end of the world, but I'm not going for that. I'm going because I know that the consistency is the key. I know that I just need to show up every day. And if I don't, then I spent, I play this game all day of, Oh, I'll go at, I'll go at noon. You know, I'll go after I pick up the kids from school. Like, It's just this mental game that I play all day where if I just go first thing in the morning, it's done and I can get on with my life. So that's, that's been really key for me is just, just recognizing again, going back to that bike lesson, just deciding I'm the guy that does this now. This is the thing that I do. And you have to make that decision before you start doing it because it just becomes a part of your identity. It becomes a part of your, your routine. And it just is easier to maintain the consistent, the consistency that's required to be successful with it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw in that my present self thinks a whole lot more of my future self than my future self does. And I'm talking about motivation in the moment. I have an idea for a goal that I want to do. If I want to go to the gym or if I want to go to yoga or something like that. And then when the moment comes to actually take action, I historically, I would rely on motivation and your motivation just isn't strong enough. Like you just have to decide, you just have to go, even if you don't have that motivation and realize that motivation is never going to come to you. It's, it's something that you can't rely on. You just have to decide to do it. And something I've been doing lately along those same lines is when I think about, oh gosh, I don't, I don't feel like going to the gym today or, oh, I, I don't feel like doing that laundry that's piled up, you know, in the laundry basket. I've been thinking about what would the, the version of me that I'm trying to become do? What would that person who's healthier, happier, has, you know, has their act together, what would they do when they walk by that pile of laundry? Would they go, oh, I'll do it later? Or would they just throw it in the machine and then get on with their day? And so I've been doing that. And it really works because it, it is sort of a, a competition. So if you're, if you're competitive, that certainly helps. But what was interesting is I had a conversation with my therapist the other day. And he was pointing out that that's a cute little game that I'm playing and all, but it's really an illusion. There is no future you. There's no past you. There's only the you that exists right now. So, you know, if that works for you, say, oh, the, the, the healthy version of me would do this. Great. Do that. But it's also just another way to identify that I am the person who would do the laundry right now. I am the person that would not let these dirty dishes sit in the sink. I am the person that would go to the gym and get that workout done. 
So it is, it's just so much about just accepting that identity that you're trying to create for yourself and making it a part of who you are right now. I really love that. I definitely can relate to the future self technique. That's something for me. And I know that you both have had um, Gretchen Rubin on the podcast, a huge fan of her. And as a Gretchen Rubin obliger, where I want to put everybody else's needs sometimes before my own, sometimes thinking of that future self almost, it, it is you, but also kind of externalizing it a little bit that does make it, you know, well, I need to, I, I need to do this for my future self that's going to make her happy. If I can get to the gym, if I can do whatever it is, and you're right, not just maybe for the weight loss or whatever that is, but really just showing up for myself and putting myself first. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if that's what it takes, again, it's motivation isn't going to ride in on a white horse and save anybody. You have to create it. whatever, whatever motivation you're waiting for. It's waiting for you to make it. It's not going to just show up. So I just, I can't stress enough how much that it, it comes down to just taking that first step, whatever, if it, even if it's literally taking the first step on that walk that you've been meaning to take for forever or whatever it is. But, but you do have to start somewhere with actual action. Yeah. It's, it's all, I'll, you know, put it a different way. Like when I commit to going to the gym, it's the hardest part about going to the gym is leaving my house to go to the gym. The rest is easy, but if you can just take that first step, you're golden. Yeah. Yeah, I've never gotten to the gym and then said, I don't really want to be here and turned around and went home. <laughs> right. Oh, I've joked about it several times where, you know, as soon as I found out what the workout was, I was like, oh, this is this is bullshit. I'm out of here. But. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've definitely gotten really mad in a workout class. Like, why did I sign myself up for this? But, you know, once you're kind of getting into it and you're, you know, you already put in the effort of just going, which... It may not seem like a lot, but that really is, I think, the biggest barrier for so many of us. And I think that's why so many people who find success with it often, you know, they have the clothing already set out potentially to go or they have it on their calendar and they just kind of, unfortunately, kind of have to force yourself sometimes. You don't have the same craving, I think, a lot of times for a workout the way we might for, you know, a slice of pizza. So it's a little bit harder to, you know, again, that motivation, it's not really there in the same way, but knowing, you know, and I think what is also really important that we've been talking about a little bit is the language that, mm -hmm. you know, is, yeah, that I am this person, I am somebody who exercises, I really think that all of that really plays into making all of this a habit so that we can do it from day to day. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you a little story about the, you know, the one time that I realized that I am this person, it was shortly after I started my, my wellness journey. And through the fact that I wanted a day off, um, the job that I had, they were going to run a 5k, like a local 5k, but they were giving everyone, you know, the rest of the day off. And I had never run before in my life. So I decided to sign up for it and made it at the moment. I was like, wow, this is a big mistake because I couldn't even do like an eighth of a mile without like falling over. And I did that race. And then I, ke I kept running and I did a 10k and I did, you know, a half marathon and it was like six or eight months later for Christmas, I got this, you know, runner's belt with two drink holders on it. And I remember opening it and going, what the hell is this? Oh, I'm a runner. Like, and other people had recognized it first. So I really took that lesson and applied it forward to anything else that I wanted to do as I made the decision before I actually became the thing. Something interesting that, that he pointed out there too is he did something he didn't enjoy, right? He signed up for this thing because of the carrot at the end of the stick that, you know, oh, I get to get out of work early. That's awesome. But for a lot of people, they would have shown up and they would have fallen over after that eighth of a mile and gone, well, screw this. This, you know, I'd rather be at work. This is awful. So it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be that, you know, you don't have to sign up for a 5k. You don't have to do a marathon. You don't have to do a sprint triathlon. Maybe you're 12 steps back from there and maybe you need to just get out and go for a walk today. Maybe you need to go to a pool and, and do a few laps, get on a bike and just ride around the block. Whatever it is, again, without taking the action to do it, it's, it's not going to happen. So I always you know, encourage people to just find something you really like or something that you can at least tolerate and just do it really small and whatever you can commit to doing every day. Because you know, I, I like the idea of, oh, I only need to go three or four times a week or whatever. But three or four times a week, life gets in the way, becomes one or two days a week. So if, 
you kind of have to commit to this is just something I do every day so that when it ends up being only four or five days, then you still did it four or five more days than you were doing it before. Yeah, I think that's a great way to make it a lot more sustainable too, because I'm someone who does not love running. I, I wanted to be a runner and I still have bad injuries from high school cheerleading and found that it wasn't really something that that worked for me. But I found that I really like doing dumbbells or doing yoga. And there were certain things. I love going for walks and I could go for a long walk, just maybe not the high intensity or high impact. And finding that those are things that I can commit to doing where a run in Florida, unfortunately, it's maybe maybe not quite as desirable for me. And that does turn into the once a week or you know soon to be once a month at that point. And realizing we don't have to punish ourselves with exercise, that it can really be something that we're proud of, that we're excited that our bodies can do these things. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, there's always going to be some challenge, whether, you know, if you're, you're in Florida, you get what, three days a week where it's below 112. So going for a run sounds <laughs> horrible. You know, in the Pacific Northwest, it's raining all the time. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's days when I just, when I decide, okay, well, I, I can't go for a run today. So I'm going to go to the gym. Like there's just, there's always going to be a reason. And for most of us, the, the motivation isn't there. Maybe we haven't made the commitment yet and it's just part of our routine. But there are always going to be reasons and you're always going to find a way to talk yourself out of it. And that's why it really has to become habit to where it feels like it's missing from your life when you're not doing whatever that habit is. Yeah. And I think it's been mentioned a couple of times, but your why, that's really, really important. So like my daughter was asking me, why do you go to the gym? It seems dreadful. And you know what? In the moment, it really is. But I go to the gym so that I can be healthy, so that I can live as long as possible to be with my family as long as humanly possible and to be able to do things with them. So when I don't want to go to the gym, I think about that. I think about if I go to the gym today, I'm going to get 10, 20, 30 more minutes with my family later on in life. Like, so really understanding why you're doing something, like you said earlier, it's not about punishment. It's not about weight control, even though those all come into play, but why are you really doing this thing? It's really important to answer. And I think understanding the mental benefits of it too, that for me, I I never really realized because I was not someone that wanted to be a morning exerciser. And once I found that that fit better into my schedule, and I finally, you know, pushed past the lack of motivation, you know, and started to really do that, I found, wow, I operate better at work, I get less angry in situations, I'm showing up better for my friends and family and realizing just how much taking care of ourselves and putting ourselves showing up for ourselves really compounds through other areas of our lives. That's something that I think gets ignored too often in in conversations like this is the fact that, you know, I've battled depression my entire life. And one of the most effective ways that I've found to battle it is through moving my body because it's like this energy that's in my body that needs to move somehow because otherwise it just, it's just so restricting. And so I've found just really recently in the last few months, I've never been much of a runner either, but there've been times when I recognize it now more as energy. And I'm aware that like it just, there's something locked and I need to move it. I literally just throw on shoes and I will just run until I fall down because it just, I I know something needs to move. And it's incredible how often that works. It doesn't always work. There's certainly times when I come back and then I'm just miserable because now I'm hurt and tired and all that. But just having that as a tool in my back pocket to know, oh, I'm, I'm feeling that way again. Here's one thing I can do to try. And it's always just, just try one thing, try one thing. Like, and it's amazing how many things suddenly end up in your toolkit where you're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I need to go to bed early tonight. Maybe I need to go for a run. Maybe I need to whatever. But, but so much of, of why I do it, you know, my why is just because when I do get depressed, you know, sometimes it's a week of my life that just the lights are out and I just, I'm miserable and I can't be around people. And it's horrible. I don't, I don't want to be that for my kids. I don't want to be that for my wife. I don't want to be that for me. So if there's something I can do and some thing, some tools I can hang on to, to know that when those times come up, I have those to lean on and they're not always going to work. Sometimes it's just going to be a matter of, I just need some time alone and, and need to chill. But knowing that I have other options is just so valuable. And so, you know, the, the mental health part of any fitness or nutrition plan is just so important. Yeah, I could not agree more. I really have found it to be helpful for me as well. And I love what you said about really moving the energy. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but it is. I mean, we store trauma in our bodies and different emotions and things like that. And oftentimes you talk to, there was a book, Burnout, Emily Nagoski and um, Amelia Nagoski. And one of the things they said was, if you 
want to feel better in the moment. I mean, obviously solving whatever the problem might be could be helpful as well. But one of one of the best ways to feel better, maybe not immediately, but pretty soon after is to get your body out of breath and, yeah. and incorporate that movement. And I think the talk about mental health is so important, especially in a time where we're two years into a pandemic. There are different variants continuing to pop up and the workplace is changing and we're definitely experiencing a lot of those challenges. And I think a lot of people have really struggled with their mental and physical wellness during this time. Do you have suggestions during whether it's a pandemic or just other difficult times of life to really be able to improve our wellness and continue to show up for ourselves? I'll expand on what Jeremy was talking about, how, you know, if he's feeling down, he goes for a run. But I, I definitely, I maintain my physical wellness. Again, I, I don't do it because I want to look good. I'm over 40. I don't care anymore. So I do it for the mental benefits. And attacking something with a physical exercise when you're starting to feel down is, is definitely a good way to, you know, hit that. But also remembering that if you're consistent about your, you know, being physical, right? That That's a really good baseline. So many times I've started to go downhill because of the pandemic, because of life, because of things, and realized that I wasn't doing some of the basic things that I normally do, like consistently moving my body. That just maintains a certain baseline of mental health with me that if I don't do it, I will drop below the line a little bit. And additionally, we're talking about mental health, but like your physical exercise and what you put in your mouth is so important. When I realize that I've been eating like garbage for a certain amount of time, I also fall, fall below that baseline. So just those two aspects, if you can keep them a little bit balanced, it'll maintain your mental health. But then, you know, on the flip side, really just asking yourself what you want to accomplish and be curious about yourself and going to some of those dark places that you don't necessarily want to, to answer questions. So for me, what little tips, maintaining your physical exercise and your, and, and your eating patterns is going to keep you at a baseline, but also just being able to ask yourself questions and be curious and question your own beliefs to kind of flip things around and change your way of thinking is really beneficial in the long run of maintaining that baseline mental health. I, I think sort of echoing some of that, all this training that we're talking about is training for the difficult times. So like Zach said, if you're taking care of yourself when times are good, then when they're bad, they won't be as bad to perhaps oversimplify it. One of the most important things that, that has helped me through this kind of stuff is meditation and, and mindfulness, because in times of climate change and COVID and political strife and all the things that just seem to be getting worse and worse every day, being able to just stop where you are in the moment of, of anxiety or depression or, or whatever is, you know, whatever worries you're, ha you're having and just really grounding yourself and realizing, you know, like right now I'm sitting in a comfortable chair in a warm house, having a lovely conversation with some lovely people, like things are good right now. If I can come back to this moment, then I can sort of put a lot of that aside. It doesn't mean those problems go away, but it at least gives me a moment to, to take a breath and realize, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay right now. Just get grounded, calm down, and then realize what can I control? What can I do? What can I do today to, to better those situations? Even if it's just, you know, I, I just need to be kind to people today because everyone's having a rough time. I need to put on my mask because I'm going inside where other people are and, you know, maybe they're concerned. What, you know, whatever the thing is, just taking that moment. And, and that's where meditation has been so powerful for me to, to be able to recognize feelings of anxiety and, and think about them and go, okay, well, anxiety and excitement are essentially the same thing. So if I just shift my perspective that, you know, I'm not anxious about this, I'm excited about it. All of a sudden I've got a different perspective and I, and I feel better about it. And now a lot of people hear meditation and they're like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't sit still. Then do yoga, do, do a walking meditation, just do some, find some activity that helps ground you where you are and, and really gives you the perspective of where am I and how am I right now? Do I really have something to be afraid of? If so, then what can I do to, to, to prevent that? And if not, then just recognize that you're okay and then figure out what the next right thing is to do. I love what both of you said about this because I really do think, again, it is, it is what we're telling ourselves. Our words are so important and it's just shifting that you know anxiety to excitement and thinking about what what can I do right now? Sometimes that's just, you know, I need to just put things away for five minutes and I'll be a little bit less anxious in the moment. But I think oftentimes they say that when we're feeling that anxiety 
or depression, you're either you're living in the future or you're living in the past, but you're not being present. And so to be able to really bring yourself back to that. Yeah. What's the the analogy? I always hear, you know, it's like walking through a river when you when you watch your feet, it's kicking up all that dirt. And when you just stop, all of a sudden, all that sediment just settles back down and you can see very clearly, you know, the, the way to to the across the river or whatever. So it is. It's just when you get caught up in that in that chaos and that that craziness, it feels like, oh, it's, it's, it's so out of control and oh, my God. But really, you're probably fine. I mean, unless you're literally in the thick of it, if you're, you know, a frontline worker in the hospital trying to help somebody right now, yeah, freak out a little bit. That's okay. But for most of us, we're just kind of going to work and doing our thing and and we're going to be okay. Yeah. Sometimes the lion really is chasing you and you need that fight or flight. (laughs) But but do I need to have that when I get an email I don't like? Probably not. Probably not. Yes. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I'd love to know, because I think so many of our listeners, they may try to start a meditation practice. You know, the consistency, I think, is the key part of that. But what are your tips for starting to cultivate? Because I think so many people get worried and they think I'm going to need to sit and be still for an hour a day and Mm -hmm. don't really understand that there are smaller steps we can take to that. How exactly did you get into the meditation and mindfulness and cultivate that? And what tips do you have? Well, Jeremy hit on it a, a little bit earlier. So I, for me personally, I still can't sit and meditate. So just sitting and being still, I can't do it. I, I haven't been able to, I do, I still try to do it, but it's still a problem for me. So Jeremy hit on it earlier. Like if you can't sit still and you can't meditate, go find a moving meditation. Like yoga is a beautiful moving meditation. A lot of people think yoga is just stretching and and it's a physical exercise. But I had a yoga teacher tell me once that if you just lay on the mat and breathe when they tell you to breathe and you don't move at all, you're doing 50% of yoga. So yoga is a moving meditation, a walk, you can go walk and you can do a walking meditation. So there's, there's lots of ways to find what kind of meditation would work for you that's more comfortable for you. Jeremy, on the other hand, can sit quietly for, I don't know, however long, and I'm super jealous and sometimes I <laughs> for it, but. Hey, listen, uh, sit and do nothing. That's my, that's my specialty, man. I got that <laughs> dialed in. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, you got to find what works for you. And in meditation, there is no wrong way to do it. Like if you really, really think about that, whatever you're doing, if you're just being mindful and focusing on what it is that you're doing. If you're just doing the dishes, focus on doing the dishes, right? There's no wrong way to be it, to be mindful and meditate. Yeah. And I would, perhaps this is an over, oversimplification too, but it's never been easier to meditate. There are so many apps that will walk you through, literally hold your hand through every session and teach you why that session did what it did and why the next one's going to be more important. Most of them are free. Uh, you know, several are very affordable when you consider the the pain that not doing it brings into your life. So there's tons of apps that can do it. But like Zach said, you know, there's a lot of magic in the mundane. There are so many times when I, I hate doing dishes. I hate it. It is just, I just drives me crazy. I hate brushing my teeth. It just feels like, oh, this takes forever. I hate it. But it's something you have to do every day. So if you can find a way, that's a great grounding practice, right? We're talking about difficult times. Those are two things I hate doing. So I try and practice being very mindful of them. And, you know, I'm holding this dish, I'm putting it in the dishwasher. I'm taking this fork, I'm putting it in the thing. Like just focusing only on that and not getting caught up in, oh, I've got to prepare for that interview tomorrow. And, oh, I've got to pick up the kids. And, oh, we're getting low on milk. I got to go to the store. Oh, I got to walk the dogs. It's so easy when, when you're doing something you hate to start going into the future and all the things that you have to do and all the problems. But those those mundane practices, that's where you can grow so much because you hate doing them. So focus on them, lean into them and really learn the lesson of doing this hard thing is making me stronger so that when I have to do something else that's even harder, I have a little bit of baseline. I have this this training, really, that prepared me for this. It sounds ridiculous that doing the dishes can prepare you for that, but if you can find a way to be present doing that, imagine how present you can be with your partner, with your kids, with your art, whatever the thing is you're doing. That's where you're doing the heavy lifting, is, is in times of difficulty, really focusing on where you are in it and how you can control it. That's just going to spread so far into all the other areas of your life. And one more thing too is it doesn't have to be five minutes. It doesn't have to be 10 minutes. You can literally start with 30 seconds. Everyone has 30 seconds. You can start with a 30 second meditation and then the next time 45 seconds and the next time 
a minute. You don't have to sit there for a long period of time. It can be very, very short bursts frequently throughout the day to get there. I'll one up you. I'll, I'll give you one breath. Focus on one breath and then in an hour, do two. Tomorrow, do three. What, whatever brings you back to the present moment, you will find so much peace there because for most of us, at any given moment, most of us are fine. It's all the stories that we're telling ourselves about how much we screwed up the other thing and how much we're going to screw up the thing in the future. That's where the chaos begins. So if you can come back to right now where you're probably fine, then you're going to find a lot of peace there. I love that. And I do think you know, you're so right. We all have 30 seconds in the day. We probably all have five minutes in the day. And I think of all the time that I spend watching Netflix, I probably have a lot more time in the day. <laughs> How much time are you just scrolling Netflix? Take half of oh that. Oh my gosh. Back, right? Yes. And scrolling Instagram and all of the things that, you know, that we distract ourselves with and that presence, you know, I'm laughing, thinking about the dishwashing and the toothbrushing. I think of so many times that you're doing something mundane and like 30 minutes have passed and you like totally forgot what you were doing. And, you know, you completely lose yourself in that moment. Like uh, it happens a lot when driving, I think, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. which is maybe not the safest, but (laughs) <laughs> you know, thinking about, oh my gosh, where did this time go? And really kind of thinking, well, okay, kind of bringing ourselves back into those moments so that we're maybe not losing that time. But how many times that I've, you know, I, I get very claustrophobic even pre pandemic. And I remember having, you know, I was panicking and on a Black Friday that I really should not have been where I was, knowing that I don't like the crowds. Uh, but how much three breaths brought me back? Mm-hmm. And what a difference that made that it costs you nothing, but it's so powerful. Yeah. And, and again, it's training. If you can find ways to do it when it's peaceful, when you're at home, it becomes, again, a habit. And then all of a sudden when you're you know shopping in the malls crazy or you're hopefully one day again at a concert and there's tons of people and that claustrophobic thing kicks in, like you can just, you can just close your eyes and go, okay, I'm standing here. I'm perfectly safe. Nothing's going wrong. There's lovely music. When, when you can just t- let those stories go, right? Because it's, it's all just stories that take over and they have so much power, but we have a lot more power to let them go. We just have to realize that it's, it's just letting go of the balloon and letting it fly away. I really love that. And I, I think that is so powerful to remind ourselves that the things that we're, you know, the things that we're panicking about, a lot of them aren't even going to happen or they have not happened. And when they do happen, they're usually not as bad as, as we expect them to be. But why live in those moments that, that haven't taken place yet or that took place a long time ago? To really take our lives back, I think, is such a huge and empowering thing. I would also love to know for both of you, I don't personally have children. I know many of our listeners do, and you both do as well. How do you balance all of the, you know, the mental and physical wellness, all of the goal setting and all of that with having kids and a busy lifestyle? Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the balance is tough. I, I'm very fortunate in that I have a very flexible schedule and, you know, my family recently moved. So we're still sort of settling in and finding our routines. But just recently, like we've kind of talked about, you know, when the kids get home from school, I, like I need to be done with work for a while and and just be present for them, be around to help them with the schedule that we've created for them so that they can get their things done and, and not just spiral out and, and go crazy. But I think, you know, again, going back to the, the idea of, of meditation and, and the growth in the mundane, being with your kid, your kids are an incredible lesson in being present because they're not worried about the future. They're not worried about what happened at school today for the most part. They're there with you right now and they want to go ride their bike or they want to they want to just take advantage of the moment and the time with you. And it's a really good reminder when we're with them going, oh, God, I got to get that project done. When when can I put them in front of the screen so I can go do my thing? Like all of that, none of that stuff matters. Like you you are your kid's parent and that has to come first. And and I get that there are going to be times when when work has to come first because there's a deadline and, and all that. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's like this all the time, but as much as you can use those lessons, those challenging, again, those challenging moments when your kids are being totally just off the wall or, or super challenging, just try and be present with them and, and find out what is it that they need. And, and again, what can I do? What's the next right thing to help them get what they need so that I can get back to the thing that I need as well? And it's just, it's just going to be such a more rewarding situation because you're both going to get what you need out of it. And it's going to reduce the amount of conflict that you have with them. So again, it's just, it's, Kids are, are a huge challenge when it comes to self-care because you have to take care of them 
they can't take care of themselves. So really use those those experiences, those challenges as, as again, training or future opportunities to, to really show up for them and, and be the kind of parent you want to be. Yeah. And additionally, just, you know, showing up for yourself, but setting that example for your kids is also really important. So I make sure my, my daughter is 10 and she she inherited my anxiety brain. So I have to disagree with Jeremy's comment of, you know, your kids aren't thinking about the future. Mine is. She's always thinking about the future. So I try and be as vulnerable as I can with her and let her know that like, I'm struggling here. This is why I do these things and really show her kind of my thought process of, of how I unpack myself and examine my own beliefs and then put things in place to take really good care of myself. By doing that, A, I'm setting an example for her. But, you know, as a 10-year-old, you know, they do model after the parents, right? So she's starting to ask those questions of herself. Like my 10-year-old daughter was like, I'd really like to see a therapist to start exploring my own self, which was really great. But, you know, I think working with your kids and making sure that they understand why you're doing what you're doing, like why you need an hour. Like for me, I I take three hours on Saturday mornings for CrossFit and yoga. And I explain to her why I need that time for myself, which, you know, she does understand, but just making sure they understand why you're doing it and the struggle that you are going through, that you need that stuff. So it sets an example and just being vulnerable and, and telling it how it is. They're, they're kids, but they're smart. They'll understand it. And one other thing I would add is uh, apologize a lot. Like you're going to fail as a parent so much. And so just knowing, knowing that you're going to fail, being okay with the fact that you're going to fail and, and believing that you can learn from those failures, all good stuff, but your kids will know when you screwed up and you'll know when you screwed up. So the more you are okay with, like Zach said, being vulnerable and apologizing, they will see, oh, you're not perfect. You're, you're not this perfect beacon of, of a person that I should do everything that you do or whatever. They'll, they'll relate to that because they apologize a lot too, whether they like it or not. So just definitely being, being open to being real with them and acknowledging your shortcomings, I think goes a long way. I think that's such a great point too. I think of my childhood, I growing up nineties, early two thousands and you know, nine 11, I have a dad that was in the, in the airline industry and during, that was a very stressful time in our family and seeing that my dad picked up meditation and kind of explaining to us. And we understood that hey, dad has a much, um, he doesn't have the same short fuse during these stressful times if we give him some time to be alone and to meditate. And that ended up being something when I learned about it later growing up and as an adult, remembering those experiences and having that shared with me even as a child, I could see firsthand how important it was. And it was a tool that I was able, you know, we're talking about tools we can add to our tool belt. And that was something I was able to see as a child that, kind of shaped how I coped with things later in life. And the things that we're showing this, this next generation is it's all going to stick with them and to show them the positive and also to be able to share with them why we're doing these things. And that it's not just for a weight goal or to, to check it off of a list, but really because it grounds us and it helps us show up better for ourselves and the people in our lives is, is huge. And I I think that's so incredible too, that your daughter had the, you know, the self-awareness and the thought of wanting to go see a therapist. That's something I think a lot of children and there's still such a stigma, but to recognize that and to be asking for that is so huge. Yeah. I know I didn't ask for a therapist when I was, when I was her age, I was, one was forced upon me and it was very, it was a very negative experience for me. Well, I think it also speaks Zach to you're, um, you know, leading by example. I mean, the fact that you do shows that this is something that, that people do. Well if, well, if dad goes to a therapist, maybe, maybe I need that. Like if, if dad does yoga, maybe I should try yoga. Oh, dad's just sitting there meditating again. That's weird. And then eventually it turns into, huh, I wonder if I should try that. You can tell them all day long about these things, but it's, it's really showing them that this is a part of your life that makes it something that they want to incorporate into their own lives. Absolutely. I think I think that's so inspiring, and I think that's something that you know we can all be modeling these things for the next generation, and so that they feel empowered to do the same for themselves. And I think when they do face these challenges later on in life, and as as the challenges get harder, they, they have the tools in their tool belts as well. So I, I think that's so inspiring, and I think these are all really important for us to be keeping in mind. Overall, for both of you, you've had incredible wellness journeys. You've taken on a lot of different habits that 
have really served you both. Have you had any surprises come up along the way? I've had a few through the journey and through the self-exploration. I really had to unpack a lot of um, I didn't realize it. And even up until my 20s, I thought I had a normal childhood. Apparently, I had a really traumatic childhood. And I think unpacking your past and, and getting getting to a better state means looking at your past and understanding what happened, why it happened, how it impacted you. So I, I think that was my that was a big surprise for me was all of the emotions and things that I had to process along the way that I wasn't expecting because I had repressed so many things or just thought things were normal. I can tell you many times where during yoga or meditation or something where I was exploring my own mental health, where you know I had this epiphany of I'm this way because of that thing that happened 25, 30 years ago. And then the, the tears just started. So that really surprised me along the way. And I'm getting used, I, you don't ever get used to it, but it really surprised me at how dark some of the places are that you have to go to in order to get better. I think some of the surprises I've experienced was really just how common so many of these problems are. I mean, just, you know, just your garden variety trauma, right? Like just the feeling not good enough, all that stuff. And that's really, I think, what got me interested in doing our podcast was just really sharing that wherever you are, you're not alone. Like everyone's going through something similar and, and there are probably plenty of people that are a few steps ahead that can help you and plenty of people that are a few steps behind that, that you could teach whatever you've learned to, to cope with your own situations. And it's, it's also been interesting kind of getting back to the, the kid thing and the uh, sort of leading by example. It's amazing how that extends beyond your kids, how people around you will see the change in you and they'll see, oh, Zach's a runner now. I'm going to get him a, a running belt so he has you know water and he's, he's prepared to do that. People would come up to me all the time like, oh, my God, I can't believe how did you lose the weight? Well, I, I worked out and I ate better. It turns out that worked. Like it's it's just interesting how much leading by example really does spread to other people and even without intending to. Right. Like I don't go to the gym so that other people are like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But the fact that, you know, sort of a side consequence is other people are like, oh, maybe maybe I should try that. I'm going to ask him a few questions and, and see what's going on with him to figure out how I can incorporate that into my life. I, I love that. And I think if, for all of us, that, that mental and emotional is just so important and to be able to then share because I did not realize this as well until until I got a little older that everybody experiences trauma and sometimes it's that little T trauma. We don't understand how much that impacts us compared to, you know, we all know about the big T traumas, but I've been getting into journaling now and starting to really explore some of the things that have, have shaped me positively and negatively. That's, that's definitely taken me down some dark paths, but starting to understand that and then being able to share our stories. You know, you both have an amazing podcast where you get to do that and show people that they're not alone. So can you tell us a little bit about your show and what kind of inspired that? Yeah. Jeremy and I started talking. Uh, Jeremy said, talked about it earlier. We started talking and we started having vulnerable conversations. And I was a couple of years ahead of Jeremy on the wellness journey. And just through our conversations with each other, you know, like what I was saying, I had tried, helped him, and then just showing him what I have done and things that he had done. We were really helping each other. And at some point, we really kind of, a wall went down and we were really having vulnerable conversations about where we were struggling, why we were struggling, and just having the ability to, to have those conversations allowed our, our health mentally and physically to just skyrocket. And we saw the value that we were having in each other. And that's really where we started thinking about the podcast is we need to start sharing these things with as many people as we can, especially men, because there's a taboo thing with being a man that you don't talk about your feelings and you don't talk about struggle and, and pain and, and how much it hurts or how hard things are. So we really wanted to just get out there and show people that these conversations are okay and not just okay. They are so beneficial to your health and wellness. And Jeremy can add some more color to it though. Well, yeah. Additionally, I'd I'd been podcasting since 2004. I mean, I'd been doing it a long time, but the show I did before was very different. It was it's like this comedy show, and we were just drinking and just being ridiculous. So it was very easy to sort of put on this mask and and be this wacky, you know, cartoon character version of myself. So Zach approached me about turning our conversations into a podcast, and I was like, well, who the hell are we? Who's going to listen to our advice? We don't have a, a thing on the wall that says, oh, I, I went to school to learn a thing or two, and that's why you should listen to me. And he pointed out that he's like, well, I don't have a thing on the wall, and you learned from me. 
So there are other people that we are a few steps ahead that they can learn from our experience. Why don't we give it a shot? And and it was just really through having those honest conversations that we discovered this is something that we think could help other people. And we we jumped on it. We, you know, and, and we haven't looked back. I think that's incredible. And it's it's so hard sometimes to get started because I, I fell into this as well with starting my show was well, I, I don't have a health and wellness, you know, I don't have any kind of degree or credential at that point. I am certainly looking into that now that I'm getting a little bit deeper into that journey, but wondering, who, well, who's going to want to hear from me and all of that. But there is so much power in sharing our stories because if, you know, if one person listens and can relate to it and can take something away from it, then, then you've made the world a little bit better. Yeah. And we're not, you know, we're not prescribing medicine here, right? We're, we're offering simple things that, that, you know, not, I, I would venture to, to say nothing that we say is uh, you're hearing for the first time from us, but maybe you're hearing it in a way that it makes sense. Maybe you're hearing it at a time in your life when this is something you want to apply to your life. So again, we've, we've done tons of research. We've interviewed over a hundred people at this point for our show. We, we have a lot of knowledge and, you know, we have a couple of things hanging on the wall now, but for the most part, we are we are just like you. We are we are struggling. We still have big goals. We work every day to get the things in on our calendar that are there to try and keep our physical and mental health in check. But you know, it is very much a struggle, and it's way easier to go through that struggle with somebody by your side than it is on your own, feeling like you're the only one feeling it. Definitely, I could not agree more. That's I know that's been incredibly powerful for my own healing journey, and. I know, I know it is for listeners as well. So I, I really love what you guys are doing. And I would love to get all of the information, of course, for how listeners can find you both and connect. But before we do that, I have a few rapid fire questions. We ask all the guests to get to know you a little more. So can we dive into a few of those? Let's do it. Sure. Awesome. So we have been diving into a lot of these today, but would each of you tell me what your top wellness tip is? Uh, my top wellness tip is gratitude. It's hard to be angry about uh, angry or upset about things that you don't have if you're being grateful for the things that you do. And I will say curiosity is a powerful one. Whatever struggle you're having, getting curious about where it's coming from. So if you're struggling with, you know, why am I emotionally eating? Like why why am I eating right now? Am I actually hungry? Or, you know, am I feeding some emotional need? When you're depressed, why am I depressed? Is there some need that's not being met? Is there something that's missing from my life? Like, just get really curious with with those challenges when they come up and, and really get honest with yourself about the root of it. And don't make it about the story. Don't make it about the thing that that other person did that set you off. Make it about what is my feeling? What is the what is that the root of what's going on here? Get really curious about that. And it's amazing how many times you'll find the answer in that moment of curiosity. I think both of those are so important. The gratitude is something that, yeah, you're so right. It's a it's a way to become a little more present. And as far as that curiosity goes, so many times when we're angry about something, it's it's not the email. It's not, you know, whatever whatever the actual thing that happened is, but something is something a little bit beyond that. And so to really kind of work to uncover that, I think both of those are great, great tips. Now this one is almost a little cruel right now with the pandemic, but <laughs> where is your favorite travel destination? This one's easy for me. I just went. My daughter and I are huge Disney fans. So we actually, we go to Disney World way more than any normal person should. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's my happy place. There's something about that park. Once I forget about all the money I just had to spend, that really makes me happy. And I just feel joy and really good when I'm there. And not to be lame, but mine is the same. Anything Disney, it just as a parent, when you can disappear into any of those parks and be in that world, it's just, there's nothing like it anywhere on the planet. So anything Disney and yeah, I'm in. That is so fun. Right, right in my neck of the woods, actually. Right, right. Totally. Yeah, we'll all have to plan a Disney day. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. We'll crash on your couch if that's all right. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I got a guest room. Um, I just had a I just had a decluttering expert on the show, so I'm getting the guest room ready. So we're good to go. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I would be a dog because they are always happy. Oh, that's a good one. I keep coming back to grizzly bears. I, they just they've got it figured out, man. They've got their routine. They sleep like champs. They, you know, they're not big hunters. They just go fishing. You know, I'm a vegetarian, but I can get on board with the with a piece of fish every now and then. 
Yeah. And, uh, you just, you know, you know what you're getting with a grizzly bear. You know, they're not sneaky. They, if you run into them, you know exactly what you're getting. So uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to go with grizzly bear. I love it. Those are great answers. If you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Um, actually, so this is might answer a couple of questions. So the next skill that I truly want to master is flying a plane. Wow. Uh, I, I struggle with this one. So I, just for fun, I'm going to say sword fighting, but specifically lightsaber fighting, because there's a, there's a shop in town here where I live that just opened and they literally teach you, you know, how to stick fight, but with lightsabers. So as a star Wars nerd, it doesn't get any cooler than that. So I'm going to go with, go with some form of lightsaber uh, battle. Those are both great. And I don't think we've had either answer on the show before. either. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and finally, and this could be tied to the last question, but in general, what's next for each of you on your bucket list? I'm going to pick something different because I don't want one answer to, to, to fit two. So the next thing on my bucket list, providing COVID does not get in the way, is my daughter and I want to go to uh, Disneyland Paris sometime in the next couple of months. That would be amazing. Uh, ours, you know, again... COVID rules uh, applying. We're just trying to take our lives back. All of us are now fully vaccinated, fully boosted. Things seem to be calming down right now in, in the current wave. So, you know, we're starting to, to plan trips. We're starting to buy plane tickets. We're just we're just trying to start taking our lives back because it's just been too long of waiting for, for the world to, to calm down. So next on my bucket list is just trying to travel again and, and start living a some sort of a more normal life. Definitely. I am truly hoping 2022 becomes a year with a little more normalcy. I think travel is on mine as well. And just even I went to my first sporting event in two years yesterday. And yeah, just, you know, kind of going back to that normalcy. I never thought that would be a bucket list item, but it's something that I think we all deserve. And I, I think it's coming for us. I think that the, the world is, is continuing to change and hopefully... Hopefully we can all have that and a little bit more fun this year. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Well, guys, this has been fantastic. I've so enjoyed chatting with you. I could honestly go for another hour, <laughs> but I would love to know for our listeners who are interested and want to learn more, how can they find you and connect? Uh, our website has everything you need to know. It's thefitmess.com. Uh, on social media, we're everywhere as at fitmessguys. And uh, we are currently in the sort of final stages of putting together uh, like a, a live sort of coaching mastermind uh, program. So if you'd like to find out more about that, uh, you can find us through our website uh, and our email is info at thefitmess.com. Perfect. I'm going to make sure to link all of that in the show notes so listeners can connect and be sure to check out their podcast. They have some incredible guests and some great solo episodes as well. And I just want to say again, thank you both so much for coming on and for sharing your stories with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for having us. I had such a blast chatting with Jeremy and Zach, and their tips really resonated with me personally. I liked what each of them had to say about how wellness can become a part of your identity and how the words we tell ourselves can really shape the way we show up for ourselves and for the world around us. I know I just started back up with a new workout routine this week, and our conversation really made me rethink the way I set those goals for myself. I have linked their information in the show notes along with the FitMess podcast, it is an incredible show. They have some amazing guests like Gretchen Rubin, Ryan Holiday, Dave Asprey, and Justin Baldoni, just to name a few, along with several insightful solo episodes. So be sure to check out their show, hit that subscribe button, show them some love. Jeremy and Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing with us. Now this week, we are kicking off a brand new segment of Wellness and Wanderlust called Ask Me Anything. Each week, I will answer one listener question on a topic of your choosing, within reason of course, so that listeners can get to know me better too. We're going to kick things off with a question that came in from Instagram. Our listener asks, what new habits did you form during the pandemic that you intend to keep moving forward? This is such a great question. I think my number one new habit that I intend to keep moving forward is journaling. I deal with my fair share of anxiety and I went through some trauma last year that I'm still working through. So I found that journaling really helps me to release a lot of that energy that's just swirling around and set a little bit more of an intention for how I want to feel. Otherwise, I just keep spinning and spinning and spinning. So sometimes I might follow a journal prompt, including some of the prompts that our guests have shared on the show. A lot of the authors that have come on the show have some really fantastic prompts in their books. Other times I'll just write about what's happening in my life and how I feel about it and just keep it super simple. This is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I am a writer and 
I have put it off for a while. So I finally made it a priority. I went to the store. I bought a little spiral notebook. I keep it handy. And I finally made this more of a priority. And I truly see a shift in my mindset when I am journaling consistently. So I would say this is my number one new habit from the pandemic. I'm so excited to kind of keep going. Now, if you've got a question you'd like me to answer in an upcoming episode, please shoot it my way on Instagram at wellness and wanderlust blog or by email at Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net. I keep everything anonymous unless you tell me otherwise, and I'm so excited to start answering these questions for you all. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in and for sharing this part of your day with me. If you have a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode or a guest that you have in mind, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram or by email. And one of the best ways that you can lend your support to the show, as I say every single week, is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. It just takes a few minutes out of your day, and it truly makes a huge difference to podcasters like me. So if you find yourself tuning in regularly, I would truly love to hear your thoughts. Again, thank you for joining me today, for being a part of this journey, and I hope you have a wonderful day.